and welcome to Capital Stories. This is Tara. And it's Eric. And we're glad you are tuning in with us. In this podcast, we talk to real people about real issues and explore intersections of life and faith to encourage you in your personal walk with Jesus. Yes, and happy October to all of you out there listening to this in real-ish time. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and there is just no way around the fact that everyone... I think every single person um, has been touched by cancer in yeah. some way, shape, or form. It's a safe assumption there to make. Mm-hmm. Whether they themselves have battled cancer or they know someone or love someone who has battled cancer, it's almost ubiquitous. And so we wanted to spend an episode talking about the very real life and faith intersections within someone's personal journey with cancer. And we're going to do that with Jill Erickson. Jill is a physician assistant with a 20-plus year career in medicine and in healthcare. And uh, earlier this year, she got her own cancer diagnosis and she has had to learn a, a whole new side of the journey of being a patient. And we wanted to bring her in to talk about how she really is on this healing journey of both her body and her mind and the yeah. intentional choices that she's making to, to, to battle. She's fighting this war with God. And she has some very specific ways that she is choosing to do that, choosing to engage, choosing to encounter, choosing to interact with certain habits of discipleship that have, in her words, kind of taken her from Jill 1.0 to Jill 2.0. And it's a fascinating, inspiring, and encouraging story of, I guess, how you can you can renew your mind. Mm-hmm. So we can't wait for you to hear how God is using this cancer journey to shape Jill into really a new version of herself. So without further ado, here's Jill on Capital Stories. Jill comes uh, from the medical background, and so she's going to share just a few statistics with us about this disease. Women have a cumulative lifetime risk of cancer. Um, One in eight women will be touched by cancer by the time they reach 80 years old. One in eight. Yeah. My, my mother had breast cancer at 65, and then I was just diagnosed at the ripe young age of 44. A um, little scary. 20 years younger than my mother, uh, and mine's more aggressive. And then a month after my diagnosis, then my sister gets uh, diagnosed with the same thing. But uh, in... Dealing with this diagnosis, I've also learned that um, 20% of breast cancer is diagnosed in women under 50, and it can be the cause of death in about 11% of women under the age of 50. So it's serious. Yeah, big numbers. It's it's shocking. What I thought was it would be you know, purely genetic, like this, I got this from my mom, and my yeah. mom felt super guilty, and, you know, mm. we've been dealing with, you know, this must be hereditary. Yeah. Then I come to find out that only 20% of cancer is even linked to a genetic cause at all. I've had my Hmm. genes checked and double-checked, and I don't have any link to any genetic abnormality. So I I might be in the 80% where it's due to environmental exposures, something in my nutrition plan. It's not for lack of exercise, but those are... (laughs) No. I, <laughs> those are the three. you are definitely dedicated to fitness. Those are the three things, environmental exposure, diet, and exercise can be the 80%. Can contribute. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Well, I remember that day that you called 
And I remember picking up the phone and can you take me back and tell me about that initial feeling, like that initial, those initial first few days or that initial week or so? You know, we had just gotten back from spring break, end of March, had a great week in the Florida Keys, and I knew it was time to, I had already had it on the schedule, so I went and just did my annual mammogram. It was my fifth mammogram. I had a normal one at 40, 41, 42, 43, so I had four normal mammograms, and then I just went in for the fifth one, because I'm supposed to, and they wouldn't let me out. <laughs> they took me back for more imaging, said, well, I'm sorry, we have to squeeze you differently, harder, in a different way, and Yay. keep going and mm -hmm. have a seat in this room while the radiologist looks at it, and it's probably nothing. Don't worry. Don't, don't get too nervous. And I'm like, okay, that's nice to know, but... Uh, but I am. But Thank now you. Getting, but now I'm getting nervous. Right. <laughs> so go back for another boob smash and you yep. know it gets even more uncomfortable because they have to try to see what they're trying to see and that was uh yeah that was hard so then the radiologist comes and explains that you know she can't in good conscience just let me go another year she thinks the best thing would be to look at these areas that she saw and she sh pulled me over showed me on the monitor you know these little star-like things she zoomed in really big and said there's these little flecks that look like you know to me they look like little metal flecks that were just all over the place and there were things in one spot and another spot and it was a big wide open area kind of like I've I had little breasts. <laughs> this is not a big breast we're talking about. This is a little breast. And it had a big, big wide area of involvement. Stuff up there, stuff down there. And um, she said, you should have a biopsy. And I was like, well, what are we looking for here? And she said, well, it's probably nothing. Almost always is nothing. But we just need to make sure that it's not DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. That's what my mom had. So I just resolved myself to saying, okay, no big deal. I'm, I'm sure I just have what my mom had. I'll get through this. That was fine. I went for a biopsy and I insisted on two because the area was so widespread and they didn't want to do two. And I was like, please, I'm not going to believe one. <laughs> so you have to do two. And they, they finally gave in and did two. So all was well in my life because I thought everything is going to be fine. I'll just have a mastectomy like my mom had and it'll be fine but then stuff kind of went downhill a bit when I got the biopsy results right and the first biopsy that they wanted was DCIS no big deal second biopsy the one that I insisted on turned out to be invasive ductal carcinoma IDC and that's the scary part often in in Troy's sermons he will use an illustration of what happens when you don't get the job or, you know, when you get the diagnosis you were hoping you weren't going to get. And in the audience, you can sit there and, and think of these examples, right? They feel very, but when it actually happens, when you actually get, when the doctor actually says the thing you don't want the doctor to say, what, what was that like in that moment for you? Well, it's funny because, you know, I'd, I've heard Troy say that many times. And up until this point in my life, I'd always been thinking whenever Troy says that, <laughs> I think, man, I feel so guilty. Like, I, There's nothing bad in my life. Nothing. I have not had anything to even compare to what other people struggle with. And I thought, well, I haven't had that yet. 
haven't had that moment yet. Right. So then it hits and I'm like, oh, huh. Was, I'm in that was group. I asking for this? No. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Troy. You know? <laughs> I knew it was coming, but I didn't really want it. So, um, yeah, so I, it, it was suddenly, uh, it was earth shaking, you know, in my life. I, I am a control freak, have always been. And to not have control over this diagnosis and the treatment and the options. And of course, I have, I've, I could always say no to treatment, but. I'm a physician assistant in orthopedics. Right. I, I believe in science. This right. is my life. My right. career has has probably been number one priority, if not mm. right up there, all of my 22, 23-year career. Yeah. And so, um, hmm. of course, I'm going to, you know, opt uh, for treatments, and, mm. and I'm 44. <laughs> I've got two kids, two daughters that I need to see you know, continue to grow up and, yeah. you know, then you have to kind of make this decision of what are you living for? It's like, mm-hmm. am I living for work? No, I'm living for, mm-hmm. you know, well, what's God doing in my life? Am I, I'm living to see my kids grow up. Did I do a good job? Mm-hmm. Are they, are they good enough? Is this, am I done? Is this it? So all sorts of questions. Was it right away? Okay, God. Oh, this is, this is, this is real. We're going to play here. And, and I'm going to double down on my faith or was it, I can't believe this is happening to me and I'm upset, you know, with God or maybe a combination of those things. Yeah. I mean, it turned out that on the day that I got the biopsy results, I had a very good friend, um, Miriam, uh, in town from Boise and I love those turns out. At, right? Well, no, no, it right? Didn't, obviously you look not. Back and think, didn't turn out. And didn't we, turn we out. even knew on that day yeah. when I was telling her, I mean, she she was in town and was just like, yeah, I'm going to come watch you play volleyball tonight. And so I was like, oh, great. So at noon that day, I had gotten the biopsy result, had a pretty rough afternoon trying mm-hmm. to work and mm-hmm. didn't work out so well, mm-hmm. went home crying and uh, gathered myself together and said, I'm playing volleyball tonight. Like So I picked up Miriam. We went up. And I was telling her on the car ride <laughs> to volleyball. And, hey. I, and I was laughing. And she was like absolutely freaking out. But I was driving and I was laughing, telling her like, oh, yeah, I, yeah I've got cancer. Like, this is going to be, this is going to be interesting. And, and I, there were, there was, there was a lightness or a laughter in my voice that mm. she could not understand. But, mm. you know, she's Christian too. And, you know, she ended up stealing me away for that weekend and mm. took me to Boise so that I could process this. And mm. I I don't know if I just wasn't understanding the gravity of it or I just didn't know how it was going to change everything. Mm-hmm. But I needed a few days for sure. And she mm-hmm. she knew that and I didn't. So she was like, no, I'm taking you away. And my husband was kind enough to say, sure, do what you need to do. That's amazing when God puts people in our lives to give us exactly what we need that we didn't know we needed. I didn't know we, I didn't know I needed it. And so I spent, you know, four days in Boise over a long weekend just kind of meditating and praying and reading and learning and listening to Margaret Feinberg's, mm-hmm. you know, Joycast. Mm-hmm. And because I had mm-hmm. remembered, thankfully, that you had heard a sermon, right? That I had heard her mm-hmm. sermon when mm-hmm. she said, fight back with joy. Mm. Luckily, I had already been prepared for that. Didn't know I needed it, mm-hmm. but that's the way it and is. And <laughs> so that weekend, it's sort of like it started with, I'm going to choose to get right in the head, yeah, 
And what were some of the things that you started to do kind of right away to sort of get right? I know your journaling and yeah, there's lots of different journal tools right, right that you used. Yeah. That have helped you get right and frankly stay right yeah. in the head and yeah. make a make a conscious choice to kind of steer. I mean, you mentioned the word control and mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like, oh gosh, I'm not in control of very much. But there was a small amount of things you were in control of, right? Yes. But I didn't, I, you know, I, so that was, it was a struggle because I had to wait, uh, waiting. <laughs> Do mm. I, did I wait well? Mm. I tried to wait well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had two weeks that I had to wait from the biopsy result till the doctor's appointments. And so luckily that first you know, weekend, I went to Boise and could work through some things, decided to, you know, be joyful and gratitude and listen to a bunch of different podcasts and um, journaled about it all and journaled all the best tips from other cancer survivors and cancer warriors, you know, in, in my journal so I could process it. Had you journaled before? (laughs) I had kept a diary all my life up until I got married. So I haven't journaled in in twenty couple decades in twenty two years, but I had journaled all the way through from like junior high, high school, and college. Really, journaled in my first twenty three years. Didn't didn't for another twenty two twenty three, and then picked up the pen again uh, because I was kind of forced to. You know, it was encouraged that I write down my thoughts and you know journal. I journal my thoughts, and I, I realized that you know if I journaled at night, I put a lot of information, and now I've kind of come to the decision that I can journal in the morning and I'll remember all the important things from the night before. But initially when I was struggling, Mm. I journaled at night because I couldn't go to sleep if I didn't get it out of my head. I was stuck in my head with all these things that I couldn't control. So the game changer was really on, I have my journal right here in front of me. Yeah, you do. On May 2nd. uh, So this is May 2nd of 2021. 2021, right. Four, Four months ago. I yeah. wrote on May 2nd that I, I, I wrote a, I made a table, what I can control and what I can't control. Because what I was worried about not sleeping over was I can't control the surgery date. I can't control what is going to happen with, you know, the type of chemo I need, the dose, the reaction I'm going to have. Am I going to lose my hair? You know, this is all, you know, things that I was up at night worrying about as yeah. most women would be about losing their hair, you know, and I've got two daughters and that was like the one thing when we told them at diagnosis, the one thing they said was, are you going to die? And I was like, I don't think so. And then they said, well, are you going to lose your hair? And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> and so then, then they both like sided, side relief. They like, oh, thank God, mom's not going to lose her hair. Then I come to find out I do need chemo and I was going to lose my hair. Mm-hmm. So that was like, oh, geez, now my kids are going to struggle. <laughs> but anyway, the table about what I can yeah. and can't control yeah. when I realized that what I could control was my attitude and choices. That was a big game changer for me because here I was fretting about my inability to sleep and that falls into the what I can't control can't control. But then I decided, oh, well, if I can't control my ability to sleep, then at least I can control what I do when I can't sleep. So I would get up and journal. And so that's why I started journaling in the morning. It was like, if, I, if I'm not going to sleep, I might as well get up at 4, 4.30, right. 5, whatever time it is that I wake up, worried about stuff. You get up and I start journaling. And use that time. 
use that time. Read the Bible. Um, get into the Bible app. Listen to. I uh, started into some Bible app yeah. plans on cancer. Right. Didn't know I was going to need those resources. Right. I want to ask you about that, but let's go back to the journaling for just another another moment to say, I hear folks love the idea of journaling, but not necessarily practice it. So just tell me and tell or tell us about. Um, like what that does for you. You mentioned it gets stuff out of your head. Does it reveal parts of thinking that you didn't know you were thinking? Oh, yeah. What makes this so so worth the investment of like, I'm going to write some stuff down? You know, Those of you out there that are going, I know I need a journal, I try, but then just as it's someone who kind of what came back to it yeah. and the gift it gave you. Right. Share that. Because it's not, it, it's actually quite funny. I, I, I think it's funny that, you know, right before COVID, when I was last home in New York for um, summer vacation, yeah, my parents were like, we're cleaning out, you know, take what you want. Well, you should take these. And, I, and they were pointing <gasps> to this box of all my old diaries. diaries. And so I had brought back oh my, my diaries gosh. from New York. And I had, I had gone through a couple of them and I was laughing at how I used to write in my diary. And I used Turns to... Turns out, <laughs> I had just learned about how much I enjoyed that part of myself. Right. right. But I didn't put all that much, you know, con- I mean, there was tons of content, but there wasn't a lot of thought in, hmm. in my childhood diaries. So I decided I wanted to do it differently this time. And, you know, mm-hmm. so I had used to say, got up at this time, ate this for breakfast, did this thing at school, right. had tennis practice, you know, went home, had this for dinner, watched TV every night, all night long, and then went to bed at a certain time. And this is, <laughs> this is, this journal the, is quite different the than that. The real stuff of, I mean, I, what it means I still, to be human. I still fall back into some routines sure. of, of saying things Practical. that are very, you know, matter of fact, but, but the journal has really helped me get things out of my head and make it concrete. It's one thing to think you know what to do. It's another to write it down and say, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm thinking that. I, and I'm to admit to myself that these are my thoughts and force myself to write them down was hard. Come face to face with them in a different way. Yeah. To, Your to, fears. Yeah. For example. Absolutely. I would imagine. Fear of losing control is, you know, as we've been taught, <laughs> lack of trust. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I yeah. think I can control everything, then I'm not trusting God enough. Right. So I had to trust God with this diagnosis, with the treatment, with the prognosis. You know, I was all in my head about like, what can I do? I still am. Yeah. What can I do to make this? How, how can I live the longest life possible without a recurrence? And so. Right. You know, I get stuck in reading journals and not journals in this respect, but like medical journals medical to journals. say, what can I do to control what I put in my body or what I expose my body to exactly. to, to keep it the house as healthiest I possibly can. Exactly. You mentioned um, in addition to this precious journal here, some other tools, mm-hmm. some other right since that weekend in, or after that weekend in Boise that you said, I'm going to choose to engage in this kind of material obviously you mentioned the bible you mentioned some bible apps like talk to me about sort of the trajectory of i feel like you created these habits 
For sure. These reg- this rhythm of habits. Because people told me I needed to take care of myself. And I was like, well, I do because I work out. <laughs> and I, taking and I care of yourself became, started to mean a completely different thing. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how taking care of myself changed. Yeah, it means that I need at least a half an hour every morning. And I'd heard that some people do this and I just didn't because I would get up, go to work, get up, go to work, get up, go to work. Yeah. And when I have to go to work so early, you know, it, it's it's hard to think I should set the alarm earlier for this. Um, so I never got into a morning routine. I would just still always get up and go to work. But the root, the morning routine really changed when from my surgery day on. And that's when I really had more time. I had tons of time. I took six weeks off work, which is crazy for me. <laughs> it's absolutely appropriate for it's everyone else. Right, right. Exactly. Absolutely appropriate for everyone else. <laughs> it just felt crazy for me. Right, right. But so now I had six weeks off work and I was given a book uh, at the time, you know, as I was preparing for surgery, people that now knew that I had cancer and I was at, there was an outpouring of love and I was getting cards and books and extra journals and all sorts of gifts. And I didn't know that I needed this book, but a good friend of mine uh, gave me this book called Beat Cancer Daily by Chris Wark, W-A-R-K. We'll have, uh, and we'll have that in the, the resources on the website. Yeah. Because I know this book has been Game changer. A game another, changer. Another, another, another game another changer. changer. Tell, yeah. So tell us about what, uh, yeah, how that so has been. The solved. author has um, dealt with cancer himself, mm-hmm. and it's a 365-day devotional. And uh, and I started it out, and it was, it was amazing because from day one, it just steps you through dealing with this diagnosis and coming to terms with it, coming to grips with it. Mm-hmm. The fav- my favorite entry, I think, changed a lot for me. Um, came on day 20. So I'd already, you know, I started it technically on my day of surgery because I wanted to get one year from surgery, 365 days from surgery. So I wanted to use the book and go one page at a time every day from the surgery day on. And so day 20. So day 20 after 20 surgery. days after surgery. Mm. It is titled Cancer Changes Everything. And he starts by saying, you know, I had once heard a cancer patient say, I'm not going to let cancer change me. And on the surface, this may seem like an admirable Mm -hmm. announcement or pronouncement of strength and defiance towards the disease, but it is the wrong position to take. And I thought, what? What is he going to teach me now? Like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So he goes on to say, refusing to change is refusing to take responsibility for your situation, and that is a dangerous and powerless place to be. Cancer will change you, like it or not, so embrace it and let it change you for the better. So then I was like, okay, well, this is, you know, it was already going in line with I was wanting to change who I was a little bit, just morph into the next best version of myself. So prior to the cancer diagnosis, I am now referring to myself as Jill 1.0, and now I am Jill 2.0. Yes! And, um, you know, I used to be very high stress, and work is number one, and... Um, just high pressure East Coast style type A personality. Mm. I can't get rid of that. I'm just going to try to, you know, move past it and relax a little bit more and recognize that not everything is an emergency. It doesn't all have to be fixed right now. We've I've done a very good job at at work 
and I've accomplished all my goals. I've checked all the boxes. I'm a box checker. I like to do that. Uh, But on the day where I was meeting with all these doctors prior to surgery, I also had met (laughs) with our retirement guy and he was like, oh, by the way, you could retire now. And I was like, huh? Huh. Really? So God is telling me this today and not last week, because if I found out I could retire last week without the cancer diagnosis, I would have been celebrating. But instead, I find out today, the day that I have a year's worth of treatment, that I could retire to. So it changes my mindset in that if I don't have to financially work, I need to look at why I do what I do. Why do I want to work? I want to work because I like helping people. I love helping people. But I don't have to work for the money anymore. So it's... That it all had kind of lined up. Perfectly. You know, perfectly. I hate to use the word perfectly, you know, but like, how could we refer to all this as... But it's... Yeah. It's all in God's plan. Actually, it's in God's plan to prosper you and, you know, have plans and a future for you. Talk talk to me about how that, that... It strikes me that the title of that particular entry is Cancer Changes Everything. That it's scary. I don't want it to change. I'm going to do everything I can so I can go back, right, to what's normal. But is it, is it? No, I'm not going back. Right. This is what I'm saying. There's this surrender. The cancer is going to change everything. And I'm going to surrender. There's a freedom in welcoming what that change is going to look like. Is that what you felt when you read that? Like, okay, it's going to change anything. So I'm going to, I'm instead going to of try that. to control, I'm going to embrace it and not be afraid. No, no, there was no, what there, it's going to change in my life. There's no, there was no fear. I mean, there was a, a little bit of fear about losing my hair. What's that going to feel like? What are the side effects? But, but thanks to my little table about what I can and can't control, I realized that it didn't, Obviously, it doesn't benefit me to worry. So I don't worry anymore. What I know that I've always known what good does worry do you? You know, there's all the. Well, there's one thing to know that in your head. There's another thing to really put it into practice. Say, okay, worry's not going to be my boss and worry's just a waste of time. But I'm actually going to not put time into scenario creating and playing, you know, and, and, and not worrying. Right. Intentionally or actively. Yes. That's a big difference. Um, tell me some more differences between Jill 1.0 and Jill 2.0. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> well, because like my friend Miriam told me, you know, you can't hate Jill 1.0. She got you to where She's you part are. Of She's part becoming Jill 2.0. And and Jill 1.0 is what, you know, that's the part of you that worked so hard. And that's why you have the financial freedom to do whatever God wants you to do now. Interesting. Well, what is Interesting that perspective. Be? Right. Here's so the I, things I appreciate about yeah. Jill 1.0. So Jill 2.0 has way more gratitude. You know, she's mm. I'm practicing gratitude every day for having another chance to do more of what God's got for me. And it's it it's been very interesting to see who God's putting in my life now and who's who God's bringing back into my life. And he's bringing back people from high school to tell me how I can better deal with the side effects of cancer or how I should listen to my body and not just power through because it didn't work out well for this other girl. 
And I'm like, okay, so these are people my own age, still in their mid-40s, who a couple have already gone through breast and ovarian. And, and then I'm in a place where, well, <laughs> I'm sharing this story on Facebook, which wasn't my choice initially. Your diagnosis. Yes. Well, that's, and that's part of your, part of your story too, is that, that it was, someone shared it. Yes. Someone shared it. And that was initially like, someone shared it for me. Oh, okay. Yeah. They shared it for me. Yes. A day and a half before my surgery. Yes. And said, hey, all my friends, all your friends, all Jill's friends, all Adam's friends, Jill's dealing with, you know, an invasive type of breast cancer, she has to have surgery in two days. Mm -hmm. She needs your prayers. And he, mm -hmm. you know, shared all sorts of wonderful things about me and cute pictures. Mm -hmm. And But the know, initial reaction is, ooh, whoa, that was my story to tell. <laughs> I've just been outed on right, Facebook. Right. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to tell this whole story to right. thousands of people. Yeah. Um, but because everyone started reaching out to me from high school, it was a little overwhelming. And I thought, well, I can't just ignore these people's outpouring of support I need to go the other way and start sharing because I don't I didn't want to be mad at the guy who asked for prayers that sure not appropriate. Right. His intention was pure. Absolutely. Right. And so I went the other way and I said, "Well, all right, I'm going to start doing public um, being more public about updates. Right, right. So right. I made an the album. status. <laughs> I made an album on Facebook called Goodbye Breast Cancer. Yeah. And yeah. You know, I'm not a very funny person, so I, I couldn't, I can't really make jokes about it like other people have done in the past, but mm -hmm. I just thought, well, I'll just share. I knew that I was going to start this journey with my hair, and <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to just share, you know, a photo album. The and evolution of... The evolution of Jill 2.0. Jill's 2. hair. <laughs> Jill, 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 Jill 2.0. As she, as she loses her hair, it right. goes, you know, right. as it goes from breast length. Right. How apropos. Right. Um, all the way up to nothing. Right. I, I and cut the colors. It, I and cut it myself and I yeah. added pink and I yeah. wanted it to be fun for my girls because yeah. I knew this was potentially traumatic to them. And for I them. wanted them to think back mm -hmm. on how did my mom deal with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. She dealt with it with gratitude. I'm hoping they'll think that I was, you know, full of gratitude, joy, and we had fun with her hair. And, you know, so that was kind of the goal right from the get-go to, to try to just have fun with it even though i knew it wasn't going to be fun i needed Some to make parts it. Of it we're not going to be fun right i, I knew that i needed to, to make it that way so that i was yeah so let's talk more about that you mentioned um earlier obviously we talked about the journal we talked about beat cancer daily and you mentioned to get yourself into a posture like that to stay in a posture like that when this podcast airs you will be done I will have with finished, your chemo treatments. Chemo. Uh, right now, you are just about to have your your ninth. Let's talk about some other pieces that you were saying are in your habits, are in your practices daily to keep you in that posture of thanksgiving and joy, and ultimately in a connected relationship where you're encountering God. There's one I want to bring up, and if you don't bring it up, I'm going to say it. But you go <laughs> ahead with with some of the other things that you do regularly to keep yourself in that place. Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the Beat Cancer Daily book right from the get-go. So from diagnosis till surgery, it was mainly just the Bible app, the cancer plans uh, in the Bible app, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. verse of the day, mm -hmm. and um, you know, making or saving images from per 
pertinent versus putting them on your phone, putting them on my phone, mm -hmm. you know, making a a screensaver on my phone, you know, from a nice picture that I took and I put on the bottom, trust him. Like this is all about trusting him. If I'm stressed, I'm worried and I'm, you know, trying to control this. It's because I'm not trusting him, him enough. So um, that was a good reminder on my phone Um, and, and journaling all the way up until, you know, surgery. And then from surgery on, I had the beat cancer daily book and tried not to change very much of that routine, but practicing gratitude and praying and meditating. Um, I struggle with meditation. I don't care for yoga all that much. My, my, my brain tends to go too many places. Right. So I can't be quiet when I'm trying to meditate. So I, when I do, and I'm, I think, Oh man, I had to dip. That was probably like 12 minutes and it was like 90 seconds. Oh yeah. Really? Really? I was quiet for a long time. So I can't be quiet when right. I med- when I meditate. So I, you know, I I have a different way of meditating that becomes more of a prayer, mm. mm-hmm. more like active and yeah. instead of just. Mm-hmm. One thing that you mentioned that has stuck with me, you said it to me rather recently, was that you would wake up each day, or you do. I'm going to say, wake up each day, and say, if I'm still here, then God's not done. Mm-hmm. I'm alive today. So what's the plan today, God? What do you have for me today, God? And when you said that to me, I I would wake up and say, okay, God, what's the plan? Because I have my little to-do list and I have all the things and okay, okay, okay. Who am I going to call? What am I going to do? What do I need to get done? What emails do I need to send? But to wake up with this sort of, there's a real excitement. Yeah. I don't think that way anymore. I used to think that the, way. Right, Jill 1.0 had a lot of, and we still have stuff, right? We still have like, okay, these are some things. Kind but to like make space for the wind of God's spirit to move yeah. or to hear from that, that isn't, that's quite a shift. Yes. In terms of how we measure productivity. Yeah, I really, or availability. I, I really only write down a checklist if my boss is saying to me, hey, I need you to do these three things, then I write a checklist. But all the rest of the days of the week, I don't wake up with a checklist anymore. I just, I, you know, I, I know what I need to do. It's like one thing. <laughs> it's, it's figure out what God wants me to do today. And it might be sharing, you know, about grounding with someone new. Mm-hmm. It might be trying to start a study on that. It mm-hmm. might be mm-hmm. being open to help new people coming to me now saying, oh my gosh, you're so strong. You're. I. I need your faith. I just got diagnosed with cancer, and I'm like, oh, that's what? a privilege. I'm like, I'm in it. I. I don't know that I can. I'm, I'd like to be done with it and, and help you, but <laughs> yeah. I'm in it, and I can still try to help. You know. Um, and an, another person just came to me and said, you know, I thought I was clear. It was a year ago, and now it's back. Now I need your help. And I was like. Oh my goodness. People are honestly coming out of the woodwork and saying, you're handling this so well, you must have some tips and tricks for me. So I get to tell them, well, journal, here's the book that's helping me, you know, make sure you're in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. Share the resources. And luckily, these, these are Christians coming to me, but I didn't know that at the time. It just kind of came out as as things were progressing in conversation that they say, yeah, I, I, I should I should develop that relationship a little bit better. Or, you know, this this one guy who um recently came to me and he's he he was angry and he 
he he started uh, you know a conversation with me and he was angry at God and why is this happening and now I'm having a baby and I you know I don't I don't need this right now and he he wasn't dealing well with it but by the time we finished talking I had him smiling and more joyous and he he was just he was coming around to the idea that you know he's going to get through it and so if there is somebody listening like your friend who is feeling angry at a diagnosis, what did you say to your friend? Yeah. I, and what would you say to them? I told him he, I told him, I can't ask that why question anymore. I, it's just not helpful. I told him, I don't know why I got cancer. I don't know why you have cancer, but I know why we're going to live. We're going to get through it. And, you know, God has me here today to talk to you. That's my purpose today, and I don't know about tomorrow, but all I know is today I'm supposed to talk to you. It's obviously still hard to come to grips with how long I can live on, the, on, the, on this earth, but I believe I'll be with Jesus for eternity. I just don't want to go there yet, obviously. I mean, a lot of people want to live a little bit longer because there's more to do. It, it was interesting to try to tell my friend that, you know, yeah, you'll, you'll live to see your child, you know, a year. You know, you have to. We have to do this. And I want to live and see my kids grow up and, you know, get off to college or longer, you know. <laughs> but I had to come to grips with the fact that I may not kick cancer's <laughs> butt <laughs> in this life, but... I will be cancer-free with Jesus. And that changes a lot. That changes how you think about the rest of your life, however long it is. Whether I have one year, five years, 10 years, 15 years. Obviously, I want to live a lot longer. I'm turning 45 next week. It's like, I would like to live and have fun <laughs> well into my 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever. If I don't have that long, I'm obviously going to make the most of it now, and I'll be fine. I'll be fine the rest of the time I'm here. I'll be fine for eternity. I'm secure in that. Tell me about your relationship with God. Like, you encounter God in a different way, and your kind of your friendship with God, your relationship with God, that has come through this spending of time. Does that how does that look different? Do you hear his voice differently? Do you experience his nudges differently? When you say what's the plan, God? How do you experience that during the day? Like what does that kind of look like? Well, I sure don't get an answer first thing in the morning. You know, it's not it's not like he's clearly, I mean, he has spoken to me clearly It's before. just your responsibility to say, I'm going to be open yep. to it throughout the day. And I'm looking for opportunities. Mm. And so then something pops up and mm -hmm. someone reaches out or I run into someone at the grocery store. Mm -hmm. That was an interesting one. You know, so I, I was trying to send my mom and dad to the grocery store. And, mm -hmm. you know, do the, quote, rest thing, because mm -hmm. my mom said, you should rest. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll rest. <laughs> um, but then, you know, my dad didn't feel comfortable driving my car. And so I, you know, my mom said, could you please take me to the grocery store? I was like, okay, fine. 
and I was feeling fine at the time. So I you know, wasn't having too many side effects, wasn't too tired. So I drive her to the grocery store and, you know, in the height of COVID now, you know, we're wearing our masks and, you know, she's like, are you sure you want to come in? I was like, yeah, I'll come in. It's, it's okay. You know, I'll wear a mask and hopefully everyone else is wearing a mask too. Who knows? We're getting checked out by someone I know someone I knew who used to be a rep for us in the operating room. He used to sell us our hip and knee replacements, um, our hip replacements specifically, uh, a certain kind of hip replacement. Um, And he was like, and I recognized him and I said, hi. And he looked back at me and he was like, oh my gosh, hi, how are you? I've been following your story (gasps) on Facebook and I wanted to reach out to you. Oh, but I didn't want to text you. So I'm so glad I can tell you this in person. You're like the only friend I have from back then. I really appreciate that more than you know. So he went from a, a, a rep oh. making some pretty good money at yes, the time, you know, yes. and, and now unfortunately things have happened in his oh. life. And his, his job situation was quite different. Quite different. Yeah, as he's checking you out. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. <laughs> not checking me out literally right Just at the grocery right. store you get me gotcha yep. mm-hmm. and he's like you're still married i'm like yes i am <laughs> <laughs> maybe he was checking you out anyway no. moving on <laughs> but uh you know so and then you know now we've been able to just connect texting back and forth a little mm. because he's that was something shared, god had for you that, that day that was the plan for the day that was the plan. And I didn't know that. I didn't, I just thought, okay, fine. I have to go to the grocery store and take my mom, you know? Yes. And so, yes. but then we both come home from the gro- grocery store because she was privy to the conversation and she was like, what's with that? What did you, what, what is going on with that? And I told her the story and she's like, oh my gosh. And I said, yeah, I well, don't believe in coincidence, mom. I don't believe in irony. I guess that's why God wanted me to go to the grocery store today. Mm-hmm. Right. And those little comments of like, oh, really? Is there really a great big God who's in those details so specifically? Right. Yeah, there is. But now I have an ability to, you know, share, you know, God's yeah. got God's got you, uh, you know, the the great sermon I just heard, you know, 2 weeks ago. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> Kelly Preston sermon. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he had missed that sermon, but I sent it to him. Oh. And so I was like, "Did you watch this one?" Yeah. And he was like, "No, did you go in person?" And I'm like, "No, I can't go in person." <laughs> I'm not going in person because of my immune system, but I listened. I listened, and yeah. this one was really awesome, and it made me think of you. Period. You know, and then he then put he, it out there. Listen if he, you want. And then he texts me a couple of days later and says, yeah. "I'm praying for you." And then I text him a day or two later and I say, well, "I'm praying for you." <laughs> We're in totally different situations. You know, he's he's yeah. got some other yeah. stuff to heal. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Right. And I I want that for him. Yeah. Whatever I can do. Even though I'm in this, right? God's got something bigger, better planned, and it seems to be different every day. There are likely folks listening, or perhaps this got forwarded to someone who's listening out there from somebody else to encourage you in this battle with the disease who isn't feeling very well. And fatigue and pain and just, just feeling, it's just tough. It's just hard. It hurts, right, on every level. And it feels discouraged. What in your moments of 
maybe let's say physical pain or, or a moment that you've had that has been particularly difficult in dealing with the disease has can has been specifically in maybe in your head one of your favorite versus one of a certain song you play on repeat what do you reach out and grab onto if you just don't have the energy to write and you just don't have the energy to read is there it's what what bubbles up yeah, if I don't have the strength to journal or to read, um, I'm now you know listening to audiobooks, so it can just be read to me when I'm too tired. But if I don't even have the energy to pay attention to a book that I need to, then I I go straight to music, and I have been, you know, during chemo when I should be relaxing and meditating, I often just listen to a King and Country playlist because so many of the King and Country songs for me you know, get me right in the head, right, you know, very, very quickly. Life with God in this, like trusting, developing such a deep trust with Him. I mean, can you imagine what this would be like without? Oh, no. No, it would be. Well, I mean, so many people have to deal with cancer and they don't have this kind of faith. So um, I, I can't imagine what it would be like without, I mean, I obviously I would have stayed a worse version of Jill 1.0. <laughs> I would have been Jill 0.5. <laughs> yes. I would have, de- I would have degraded or uh, you know, gone back on the evolutionary yeah. chain <laughs> to 0.5 for sure, where I would have been angry and shut off and I would have for sure struggled. Yeah. Um, the surrender. And I'm sure that, you know, my the recovery freedom. wouldn't have been as, yeah. As pleasant, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think cancer has changed me for the better. Mm. And I, just, mm. I, I don't know how many people would ever say that they are glad they had cancer, but uh, I'm better off for the changes that it's mm-hmm. brought me to yeah. and what God has helped me yeah. evolve to. Yeah. Well, I pray that God keeps the evolution going. And you know that your story and having had the opportunity to have talked to you right in the beginning of it and hear your voice in that and the choices, the intentional choices that you've made throughout this and yeah, just to look across at you sitting here now has been such an inspiring, inspiring evolution of what God God can do. Me and my shiny head. You and your shiny head. Even though I look funny. Yeah, of what, of what... (laughs) True, not forced, not, um, you know, I know what I should say, so I'm going to say it. But that true joy, that true joy that can come from trusting in his plan is, it's just candy to your soul. It's just soul candy, right? Yeah, I don't know the plan, which used to drive me nuts, right? Uh, there had to be a plan. But with him, as you would say here in um, Ephesians 3, 20, as you, mentioned, as you put on um, some verses that have really helped you, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Wow, did he have some immeasurably more plans here? Mm-hmm. Than all we ask or imagine. So that's an amazing thing to think about. When we pray. I've prayed to be cured. Right, Absolutely. say, please God. That he actually can do immeasurably more. More than just cure me. Than what we even pray for. Yeah. 
Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or even imagine, more than we can even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is in me and I... That's part of my 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 meditation is that I I pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then on my exhale, so I inhale more Holy Spirit, and I exhale the demon that is bothering mm. me in the moment. Mm-hmm. So the fear, yeah, the so stuff. Inhale Spirit, the ugly. Exhale the dark. fear. Mm-hmm. Exhale cancer. Mm-hmm. Inhale. I want more Spirit. More mm-hmm. Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And breathe out what's not of him. Yes. So God, do immeasurably more. Continue to do immeasurably more in Jill that she could ever ask or imagine. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We will share a bunch of those resources that Jill mentioned in the show notes and up on our website at capitalstories.com. So be sure to check those out. And if you think this episode might be helpful to someone who's maybe fresh in their own journey with cancer, uh, maybe a a new diagnosis or something, um, go ahead and share this episode with them. Um, But do it on their own time. The Bible calls us, you know, to mourn with those who mourn as well. And and that might be what your friend uh, or loved one might need at this time, as opposed to going right into fixing mode. But but when that time does come, when the time is right to shift from from mourning into into fixing or into the next step, um, I, I pray that this episode would be a helpful tool for folks out there. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.